Pastor Xavier Reese on the priorities of worship. How often I see and I hear people saying, well, you know, as, as soon as I get all set in this job, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going back to church. I'm going to start getting involved. And as soon as, you know, right now we just have to make this commitment and then we'll get involved. And it never happens because as soon as that's over, we've got something else to put before the Lord. And so David places the priority to set our hearts and our soul first to seek the Lord. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Religious men throughout the ages have debated about what or where is the best place to worship God. Great cathedrals have been erected. Many a pilgrimage has been made in the name of the Lord. But today, centuries later, man is still seeking the spiritual nirvana. And so today, Pastor Xavier leads us on a biblical exploration as he helps dig up such a place of spiritual satisfaction. Turn to the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles for today's Simple Truths verse-by-verse study. 1 Chronicles chapter 22. We left off David as he sacrificed to the Lord, and he offered sacrifice on the threshing floor of Ornan, the same site that the temple would later be built the same site that Jesus Christ would be crucified further up the hill, the same site that Isaac was offered as a type of Christ. And so you have the very same area. And this is the site where David was going to build the temple. And so in chapter 22, David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he appointed masons to cut hewn stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the door of the gates and for the joints and bronze and the abundance beyond measure. Cedar trees in abundance, verse 4 says. And then in verse 5, David said to Solomon, Solomon, my son, is young and experienced, or he's saying to the people about his son, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent famous and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Here we see David's heart. David was not able to build the house because we're going to see, and we have read before, he was a man of blood and a man of war. And yet his heart was totally sold out to the work that he could not partake in. How different we are that if we don't have part in a work, sometimes we'll shirk back from being participants with the whole heart. Because we figure if we're not in it, then it can't be that good. Or if I'm not in it, I'm not going to receive any part of it. Then why should I give? David was totally sold out on this plan. He knew he couldn't, even as Moses could not enter the promised land. And it must have been a real disappointment both to Moses and to David. But you know, there may be some disappointments in your life as well as mine where maybe you have longed for something or really expected something and you feel as you look and you see how God is directing you that, that maybe certain things are going to come to pass and you've got your heart so set on them and all of a sudden God says, no, what's going to be your response? Will you still serve the Lord faithfully? Will you serve Him with a whole heart? Will you still commit yourself wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord? 
though you may not even be seen. This is where we have to learn from David, not only to criticize him when he failed, but to learn from his good characteristics, those qualities that you and I need to learn, to apply to our lives. And as I study David more and more, I learn more clearly why God called him a man after God's own heart. So in verse 6, he called for his son Solomon, and he charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You should not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give him peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build me a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever." Now, as he shares what God has revealed to him, now he turns to his son. He says, Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper and build a house of the Lord your God, as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Interesting that when God came to Solomon and he asked him, What would you ask of me? That Solomon did not ask for riches or fame, but he asked for wisdom and understanding because he said, I am but a child. I don't know how to go out and come in to lead the people. And God said, because you have neither asked riches nor fame, but wisdom, I will grant you the wisdom and the riches. And so here David as a father, for one of the few times he acted as a proper father, giving counsel to his son, because we know that David was a bad disciplinarian. He didn't take much time with his sons. There was a sword. There was um, rape. There was all kinds of things in his own house because David was probably one of the most terrible fathers there ever had been. He neglected his children. He never confronted his children. The Scripture says he never said no to them. But now he sees his... Remember, this is after all those tragedies, after all those consequences, and now he knows that Solomon is the one and so he takes time to communicate his faith to his son. As the children of Israel going into the promised land, Moses warned the children of Israel about the perils of adversity, the perils of faith, and the perils of prosperity. The perils of faith being not communicating our faith to our children. I think one of the most tragic things is Christians who spend all their time in church and in Bible study without any regards to communicating their faith to their children and thinking that their children will be Christians just simply because they are and that their children will absorb their faith simply by the process of osmosis. Nothing could be further from the truth. Sometimes the most lost children are those in church because their parents are so busy working for God that they don't have time for their children. I think that that's a great charge against the people of God. And so here we have David communicating his faith to his son and gives him advice to seek wisdom and understanding. And such was the case when God came to Solomon in Kings. 
Verse 13, he says, Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage, and do not fear, nor be dismayed. It's interesting that the Psalms emphasize this principle, that those who trust in the Lord, those who abide in the Lord, those who obey His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, prosperity follows. Prosperity is not always to be equated to financial prosperity or material prosperity. Though we can find it in Scripture, and if God gives it, then we are to rejoice, but we must not use that exclusively for material riches. That is a perversion of Scripture that is being taught much today by many faith teachers. It is wrong, for the Scriptures are more concerned about your spiritual prosperity than your financial prosperity. Wealth and riches do come from God, but wealth and riches also come from those people who get it by wickedness. And so you have to be careful. Be careful that you're not following people who are saying that if you have riches, that means you're spiritual. Paul the Apostle tells Timothy, those that say that that's the case, withdraw yourself from them. For godliness with contentment is great gain, he says. You have money. God has blessed you in business, giving you wisdom, understanding. Enjoy it. Honor God with it. But don't think that that equates spirituality. Now in verse 14 it says, Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold, million talents of silver, bronze and iron, and so on and so forth, timber, stones. And you may add to it, verse 14 says, a tremendous amount. They figured there was 3,775 tons of gold and about 37,750 tons of silver. How would you like to have that? The price of gold and silver today. <laughs> The way some preachers beg for money, they would think that God is broke. God's not broke. Where did all this money come from? Some of it came from spoils of war. Some of it, as we're going to see, came from David's personal treasury. But whenever God's people cannot support the very work of God that God has started through just yielding and obeying, and giving of a free will and of their heart. It's a worse commentary on the people of God than it is upon God. There should never be any pressure. There should never be any begging. There should never be any carnal means to get you to give. Giving is a privilege. Giving should come from your heart. Giving should come from your own voluntary desire. And if it's any other way, then God doesn't honor it. He goes on to speak about the workmen in verse 16, gold and silver and bronze again. And in verse 17, David commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore arise and build a sanctuary of the Lord God and bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. Same priority as Matthew 6.33. Seek the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. Seek the kingdom of God first, then all these things shall be added unto you. How easily we turn that priority around. How often I see and I hear people saying, well, you know, as, as soon as I get all set in this job, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going back to church. I'm going to start getting involved. 
As soon as, you know, right now we just had to make this commitment and when we're both working because we had to get this new house and as soon as two years are over and then we'll get involved. As soon as this thing happens at night school, then I'm going to get involved. And it never happens because as soon as that's over, we've got something else we put before the Lord. And so David places the priority to set our hearts and our soul first to seek the Lord. Now, chapter 23, we have the divisions of the Levites. Jerusalem was to be the worship center. Jerusalem, the city of David. So when David was old and full of days, he made his son Solomon king over Israel, and he gathered together all the leaders of Israel and the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of 30 years above, and the number of the individual males was 38,000. Of these 24,000 were to look after the work of the house of the Lord. 6,000 were officers and judges. 4,000 were gatekeepers and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, which I made, said David, for giving praise. And so here you have the divisions of the Levites from verse 6 on down. He gives the different families of the divisions. Uh, it's interesting that in the book of Numbers, chapter 8, verse 24 to 26, it tells us that the Levites would come into their service at the age of 25, and they would be apprenticed for five years. Then at the age of 30, they would enter their priesthood, and they would serve until the age of 50, and then they would be retired. Pretty good job. Start at 30, retire at 50, 20 years. God had decent and order for everything. Now remember, when they were in the wilderness, they were with the Ark of the Covenant, they had to carry it. They had to tear down the tent. They had to carry all the furnishings. They had to go out in groups. They were encamped around the ark in different tribes. They had different sounds of the trumpet for different things. But all of a sudden, they're not going to be doing that anymore because now they're going to build a stationary temple. And so David is rearranging all the different orders, the different duties. David was a tremendous administrator. Before he died... He made sure that the house of God was in order. Everything, a tremendous task. And so verse 6 begins there with Gershom, Koath, and Merari, the three families of Levi. The names of them are followed all the way down to verse 23. Then in verse 24, it says, These were the sons of Levi by their father's house, and they head to the father's house, and they were counted individually by the number of their names, who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord from the age of 20 years and above. For David said, The Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people, that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also to the Levites, they shall no longer carry the tabernacle or any of the articles for service. And verse 27 speaks about the Levites from 20 years old. And above, because remember, 20 years old was the age of warfare. And they would be counted from 20 years old on upward. Anything from 20 down, they would not be counted in the census. And notice that the Levites, verse 28 says, because their duty was to help the sons of Aaron in the service. Aaron was a priesthood. The Levites were to help them in the physical ministry of the sacrifice and different things. Verse 30 says, and to stand every morning to thank and to praise the Lord, and likewise at evening. Verse 31, they were offered burnt offerings, the Sabbath days, the new moons, the set feast. And verse 32 says, and that they should attend to the needs of the tabernacle of the meeting and needs of the holy place and the needs of the sons of Aaron, their brethren, and the work of the house of the Lord. And so the Levites assisted the priests. The priests were the ones that sacrificed. 
and they helped them. Now, chapter 24, you have the divisions of the priests. Now, these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And Nadab and Abihu, or Abihu, died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eliezer, the Ithamar, ministered as priests. Remember back in the book of Numbers, Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire to the Lord. The very first offering, God spent all that time giving the details of how to offer, what not to do, what to do. And the first thing that these two did is they drank a little too much wine. They went in there kind of high and they offered strange fire. And so the Lord responded and barbecued them. It is interesting to me what great detail God has given to us as children of God. And in spite of that great detail, sometimes we just plain blow it. The labor and the patience and all that God does. And sometimes we act as if we are the exception. That God really won't mind. We can get away with it. Nothing could be further from the truth. Verse 3 says, Then David with Zadok, the sons of Ezer, and Ahinelech, and the sons of Ithamar divided them according to the schedule of their service. Now there were more leaders found in the sons of Eliezer than the sons of Ithamar, and thus they were divided. And so verse 5 tells us that they were divided by lots. This way everything was worked out in balance. From verse 7 on down to verse 19, he gives us the 24 courses. There were 24 courses for the ministering of the temple. Not all would ever serve. Verse 10 tells us the eighth to Abijah. We read the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1, verse 5. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, was of the eighth course of Abijah. And his course came up, he entered into the temple, and that's when the angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him of the birth of his son. In verse 20, you get the other Levites, now the rest of the sons of the Levites, the sons of Amram, Shubel and the sons of Shubel gives all the different names there. Chapter 25, we get reference to the musicians. He says, Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons of Asaph, of Haman, and of Jedathon, who should prophesy with harps, string instruments and cymbals, and the number of the workmen according to their service was, and he enumerates them. Now, as we read the Psalms, there are different inscriptions on them with string instruments. Many of the Psalms were sung with string instrument or other musical instruments. David was a tremendous musician. Remember that he began playing before Saul because Saul was bothered by an evil spirit. And they told him about David and how he played the lyre type of harp. And as David would come and play, Saul would be appeased. And so David became sort of his servant. And then from there, David became his captain. But David was a tremendous man when it came to worshiping God and singing and writing psalms. And music plays a great emphasis upon the life of the body in the church. I think one of the most exciting things as you see God raising the body up is as he raises different people up in terms of music and anoints them to lead and worship and anoints them to, to come up with new songs. I think that's one of the characteristics and evidence that God has anointed you 
to lead worship, not only to have the musical ability to play because you can have talent to play music-wise, but you may not be anointed to lead people in worship. And it's just like playing music and nobody really learns how to worship. And God desires to be worshiped in music. It says in Scripture that Lucifer, Satan, was the most beautiful cherub in heaven. He was head over the music in heaven. God loves music and praise. And so David here makes a division for the musicians, and he gives their names from verse 2 down to verse 5. And in verse 6 it says, All these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, string instruments, the hearts for the service of the house of God. Then he gives the names of them, the number of them, and their brethren in verse 7 uh, that were instructed in song were all skillful. There were 288. And they cast lots for their duty, the small as well as the great, the teacher with the student. And then he gives all kinds of names there. Chapter 26 now, we get the gatekeepers. He says, concerning the division of the gatekeepers of Korathites, and he starts to enumerate them. Remember Koath? Koath was one of the individuals who led a rebellion against Moses. He says, you sons of Levi have taken too much upon yourself. Does God only speak through you guys? And they began a rebellion against Moses and Aaron because they weren't getting enough attention. They despised the privilege they had of being used by God in the priesthood. And so David says, well, I don't know. Let's ask God. And he came out before the congregation of Israel. He says, now, all of you who are in agreement with Korah, get on that side. And all of you who are in agreement with us, get on this side. Now, if these men die a natural death, then we're wrong. But if they're wrong and God has chosen us, then let something weird happen. Let the earth open up and swallow them. All of a sudden, the earth opened up and swallowed them. God is so graceful because who is it that he puts over the gates? The Kohathites. As individuals, sometimes we keep grudges. We don't forget when people do something against us. When a person has made a genuine repentance, we are obligated by God to forgive totally. And to forgive means to forget. Even as God casts our sins as far as east is from the west, all of a sudden the Kohathites here are the gatekeepers. Now Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 20, that he was to guard the doctrine of God. Here they were to guard the holy things of the temple. We are commanded to guard the holy doctrine and the word of God. That we are not to allow people to teach false doctrine. We are not to allow people to please the flock of God. We're to be watchers. We are to be gatekeepers of that which belongs to God. Jude says that we are to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. And so to an extent, we all kind of fit this little job description because we are ambassadors of Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
with important simple truths to apply in the quest for true worship. Now you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's verse-by-verse study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is 1 Chronicles, chapters 22 through 29. Once again, ask for the in-depth study titled 1 Chronicles, chapters 22 through 29, or just mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 